37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, hold on, dude. Hey, um, you know what? Entertain the folks for a second. I'll be right back. What's up, everybody? This is uh, Preston with uh, Pixelated Paranormal, and joining me as always is uh, my co-host Sean, who left the room. Glad that you could join us this evening. We are going to hit up all the creepy news stories uh, that we found out to round out the 2022 calendar year. There's probably some golden oldies in there that you missed. If you look at the bottom of the screen, you'll see a like and subscribe notification there. So make sure if you're watching with us that you like and subscribe and uh, share it uh, with all your friends. And uh, hopefully when Sean sits back down, uh, he had his pants on and uh, we didn't see him in his undies <laughs> again like we did that first time. No, no. Listen, oh. these are pants. These are actual pants, my friend. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm a professional. I wear pants <laughs> now when we record, so nobody sees my plumbing. Oh, boy. My bait and tackle. Uh, yeah, so hey, thanks for warming them up, man. Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal. This would be episode 262. Yeah, I already did this all that. This would be our year... Oh, well, look at that. Live yeah. TV, folks. Sorry. The, the remote to the TV died, and I had to find some AAA batteries real quick. And I had no idea where to find them. But, yeah, anyway, this is our end of the year 2022 news roundup, folks. That's where we like to mop up the rest of the news stories that you may have missed and give you a couple that you didn't really care about. And with me, as always, is Presto. Buddy, how are you, sir? I'm good. What's all? What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins, you crocacoons and crocodingos and skeletors and skelettes and witchers and witches and whatever the fuck else you want to be? Um, party like it's 2022, because we only got a few more days. Yeah, that's it, man. I was going to include some Nostradamus predictions and some other, you know, doom porn like that, but I just thought, ah, eh, you know what, we say it every year. This is the big one, folks, but no, things will just keep going on just fine, so don't you worry, your pretty little heads. Yeah. But Presto, um, did you have a good Christmas, my friend? I did. Um, the kids got everything that they wanted. Um, there was something nice. called like a diamond art, diamond something, where uh, they have uh, mm -hmm. this uh, pixelated image of uh, like, Starry Night or Mona Lisa, The Scream, um, Broadway Boogie Woogie was one of them that was in the pack. And then uh, you take uh, this little plastic straw thing and you put the colored stones, the acrylic diamonds on it. And you make uh, this beaded pixelated art. And my daughter got that. And, uh, you know, she spent one after. You know, Christmas afternoon, putting that together and making Starry Night and the Scream. They turned out really good. And then uh, my son got all the, yeah, man. you know, 
Funko Pop vinyl figurines that he wanted and uh, got a pair of boxer shorts that says these nuts because he's obsessed with that phrase. And um, every other conversation with him is ends with the one liner of these nuts, dad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I got some goodies. The wife got goodies. Mom got goodies. Fuck Jason. Nobody cares about him. Um he did get a cat blanket that's got a cat in outer space with, you know, rays of sunshine or some shit coming off of it. So he was happy. And then nice. uh, Chris, Christmas Day, we went to go see Frightful Night in the movie theaters. And uh, that violent was a fu- night. violent night. That was a fucking blast, dude. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen that, yeah. uh, you should go give that a whirl. So, Heck yeah. Yeah, Shayla and... Yourself, do you have a good... Yeah, sorry, I cut you off, man. This is a little different because the live stream, of course, I can't edit out us talking over each other. But, yeah, I assume you're asking how our Christmas was. I was, yeah. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Yeah, we had a good one, man. We uh, spent Christmas Eve with my folks and my brother and my nephew, Gavin. Had a really good time just kind of hanging out, eating too much. Uh, We had some margaritas um, and some English cuisine. And then... Um, Christmas Day, Shayla worked all day, so I just played Xbox with Corey and his brother Lake for a while, and then, uh, watched Hereditary, which, you know, is a classic Christmas film. Yeah. And then Monday, we got together with Shayla's folks and hung out with my niece Monica for a while and, um, had Giuliano's, had more margaritas, and got this sweet little glass from my mom. It is a little Mars Attacks Tiki glass, and I really love it. It's cute. Yeah. yeah. We also watched Violent Night as well. And man, you are not kidding. That movie is a fun time. Yeah. And then uh, if you've been playing High on Life, because I downloaded that over the Christmas weekend, that's a pretty fun <laughs> yeah, game. I, yeah. It is, man. Yeah. Um, from the makers of Rick and Morty. Yeah. I really enjoy it, man. It's it's ridiculous, it's vulgar and cheesy and immature and all the right reasons, and I've played about a couple hours of it now. I think Rob's already beat it, but yeah, it's a good time, man. I really dig it quite a bit, so. Well, we hope all of you folks had a good Christmas, holiday, whatever you celebrate, season, um, and we're kind of encroaching on the end of the year. Kwanzaa. Planaguanica. Yeah, that might be kind of lizard, but <laughs> you know. But you could be right. You could yeah. be right. Be- yeah. So we're gonna start doing live streams of every night we record. Um, this was not really mentioned or advertised because it was very kind of well last minute on my part, realizing that Christmas came on Monday, and well, normally I try to record that early in the week. So anywho,sel instead of doing the ask me anything episode. Ask Us Anything episode. We're just going to do a news mop-up real quick, and then I think I'll put out the APB probably tomorrow. So if you guys have questions you would like to ask us, please email us, message us on Instagram and Facebook, text us if you know us personally. Uh, The email is pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. You can send that over to us. You can send us messages. We have a voicemail on the Google Voice, actually, if you'd like as well. Or join the live chat on YouTube. That's very true, too. Yeah, if you're watching the live chat, you can do that. We have the Google Voice of 913-662-3144. 
which would be really awesome too. If you want to leave us a little voicemail, you can ask a question. We can play it live. But uh, yeah, on this episode, just a little bit of news that you may have missed. Now, spoiler alert, we have a total of seven stories, and the first one here is a bit of a whopper. A man named Andy Hackett from Worcestershire, England, a town that's just as hard to pronounce as the sauce, was fishing in the northeast region of Champagne back in late November when he reeled in a specimen that's been evading anglers and fishermen alike for more than 20 years. That's right, folks, a giant goldfish that's one of the largest specimens uh, on record. The fish has eluded many anglers for more years and has finally met its match. His nickname is the Carrot, and it is a ginormous 67-pound goldfish. It was placed in the Blue Water Lakes back around 20 years ago, according to the BBC. Hackett captured the infamous leather carp and koi carp hybrid after about a 25-minute fight to reel him in. Initially, it was questionable if there was equipment large enough to properly weigh the specimen, but a weigh-in was eventually conducted, and the goldfish clocked in at nearly 70 pounds. That's a big damn goldfish, dude. Holy cow. Yeah. But I've heard stories of people letting goldfish go, you know, in lakes and stuff like that, and they're hardy little bastards, and so there you go. That's why you should never flush them down the toilet, because there's probably a 70-pound <laughs> goldfish floating around the sewers of New York right now, just all, like, blinky off the Simpsons, you know? It's probably got, like, multiple eyes. <laughs> three-eyed fish. Yeah. yeah, it's just ready to go to town. There you go. There you go. Well, Hackett has visited the fishery several times, and the carrot, even though it was spotted regularly at the lake, was difficult to catch. Just like a general big fish, they're heavy, they're slow, and they just kind of plod around. The carrot only spent a short time out of the water before he was eventually released back into the French fishery so other fishermen can try their hands at reeling him in. Anyone interested in mimicking Hackett's fishing prowess can do so, but they have to be patient because the fishery has a five-year-long waiting list just to get in. Now, pet goldfish are significantly smaller than the carrot and typically only grow to about two inches long during captivity. However, they are members of the carp family, which can grow especially large if they're released into the wild. One goldfish that was caught in Lake Tahoe back in 2013 weighed more than four pounds and was almost a foot and a half long. Sadly, though, it is problematic to release fish into lakes all at once, because they can cause issues with local ecology. They grow bigger than you might think and contribute to poor water quality by mucking up the bottom sediments and uprooting plants. So folks, don't release them in local waterways. Well, up next, folks, it's about 10.30 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Well, the lady in our next story was pretty surprised to find out where her kid ran off to. After getting stuck in a claw machine, a four-year-old girl has learned a valuable lesson. Back on December 20th, while at a restaurant in Arley Beach, Queensland, Australia, a little girl named Poppy Pike apparently found herself in a predicament. 
Melanie Pike, Poppy's mom, caught the moment on video when she discovered her daughter was trapped inside a claw machine. Poppy's older sister had convinced her to get inside the claw machine in order to grab some teddy bears. Pike and her partner were reportedly enjoying lunch when they were alerted of Poppy's difficult situation by their oldest daughter. She said, at first we thought her arm was just stuck until we walked outside and saw her her full body in the machine. I'm just imagining an episode of the IT crowd. Poppy was able to get out of the matter in about five minutes with careful instruction from her mom and her mom's boyfriend. You ever stuck your arm up inside one of those bad boys? Have I ever stuck my arm in a claw? No. I, I never I never have. I don't understand. Like, I mean, how old did you say the, was the girl? Four. I mean, I, I guess, like, I can see, like, a four-year-old if they're small enough. But those doors aren't, like, that big. So it's like, how big <laughs> was this little girl? Like, my, my mind's just blown on how. I'm going to say the size of a four-year-old. Yeah, but still, that like I said, the door's not that big. Is she like a hampshire and like, you know, they can just kind of squeeze into places? Right. I mean, I'm imagining my son, my son at four, and uh, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't get stuck in a claw machine. So. I've been to Chuck E. Cheese before and like some other sports places where they have giant claw machines. And the claw, you know, drop area is like a two foot by two foot lid so i mean maybe the kid crawls in through that yeah i can see it maybe i don't know maybe just uh be a better parent you know (laughs) watch your kid better i mean it's not a bad idea to keep your eye on where they're at at all times well up next presto how about some good old-fashioned butt stuff A French hospital was recently evacuated due to the threat of high explosives. Now, that sounds awful, but just hold on a second because it wasn't necessarily a legitimate bomb threat. The situation was serious, though, from a medical standpoint, because the explosives were in someone's butt. An 88-year-old man showed up at the hospital and reported to the doctors that he suffered from a bizarre condition. He stated that there was a World War I-era artillery shell lodged firmly inside his ass, and he couldn't get it out. What was the hospital hospital staff supposed to do? Before they could evacuate the buried shell, they had to call the bomb squad and evacuate half the hospital, just in case there was a fire in the hole. I didn't proofread this. Wow. Wow. Fortunately, all is well, and it all ended well. The shell was harmless, and the doctors safely pulled it out of the man's rectum. This bizarre medical case happened in the city of Toulon, a picturesque port city in the French Riviera. On the evening of Saturday, December 17th, our adventurous old man arrived at the hospital. He promptly informed them that he had an artillery... (laughs) He promptly informed them he had an artillery shell from World War I stuck inside his anus and was unable to remove it himself. The hospital staff was flabbergasted. According to a member of the staff, they're used to extracting all kinds of things out of people's intestines, but this was the first time they removed a high explosive. We've removed an apple and a mango, even a can of shaving cream, so we're used to finding unusual objects inserted where they shouldn't be. But a shell? Never! 
There most likely were a couple of follow-up questions, including, are you serious and how did it get there? The French media has not reported, however, how the shell ended up inside the man's butt, so we can only guess. Naturally, the doctors had to take the shell out from where the sun doesn't shine, but first they had to take appropriate precautions should the man develop explosive stomach issues. The hospital management organized an immediate partial evacuation. The premise, incoming patients were diverted to other hospitals and only the gynecology, maternity, and intensive care services remained open. To make sure those that were staying at the hospital were kept safe, the staff set up separate tents outside to maintain facilities and take care of the man. Instead of a live round, the shell was a deactivated commemorative item France handed out to the polis or the French infantrymen who fought in World War I. The doctors could take and then proceed to remove the shell. Unfortunately for the old man, they couldn't just pull it out, and he required extensive surgery. Surgeon successfully removed a 7-inch long, 3.5-inch diameter shell from within the man's guts. Oh, my gosh. Bizarrely, though, um, an identical story happened almost exactly a year ago. In December 2021, a man in England arrived at the hospital with an artillery shell shoved in his anus as well. What the hell, people? Come on. My cousin Matt, he worked um, at a hospital in the Wichita Uh area when he was younger, and he was a nurse, and one night uh, they had a patient come into the ER and he came from a frat party and they pulled out one dead gerbil and um, several other items that uh, are not safe for air uh, that uh, this <laughs> guy had shoved up there, you know, like uh, him and his buddies were. Oh my gosh, man. Going to pound town on the beer, so to speak, and he was really inebriated, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so they just got the forceps and start pulling shit out, literally. Oh boy, that's uh, that's something else, buddy. Wow. Man. And they had to, you know, sew up the inside of his rectum, and so Matt's like, dude, working in the ER is the best because you just never know what you're gonna see night to night, and. I just, man, I'm just thinking the size of a, a shell from World War II. Um, how do you how do you stretch something that that wide? Practice, I imagine. You know, you can you can train yourself to do all sorts of things. I I guess, but I mean, three and a half inches wide by seven inches is the size of. I mean, that's bigger than this Mars Attacks tiki mug, which is, I mean. A little bit bigger than my hand. I don't know, buddy. I consider mine an Audi, not an Innie, so I'm not about mm. to uh, practice that at all. But, I mean, use caution. And also, we do not condone shoving military artillery warheads up any orifice in your body. The one that was from the other case a year ago was a World War II artillery shell, so I don't know what's going on if that's just something that has to do with some kind of good old-fashioned, you know, European holiday celebrations. I'm not really sure. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Well, presto, 
let's keep the thing going and talk about some more buried treasure, shall we? Now, back on episode 198, thanks to our friend and listener, Mindy, we covered the story of the famous Finn Treasure. And it looks like, again, the Finn Treasure is hitting news, li- uh, news headlines all over again. The famed Finn Treasure fetched over $1.3 million at an auction of nearly 500 individual items from the legendary cachet just a few weeks ago. Now, again, you guys remember the Finn Treasure was hidden back in the Rocky Mountains by Forrest Finn, this eccentric art dealer, uh, after he found out he was going to pass away. And this thing contained gold coins and random artifacts, even a jar that had his autobiography written inside of it as well. Well, the ultimate fate of the riches remained uncertain until this past November, when Heritage Auctions announced that they had been enlisted to sell 476 pieces of the treasure by a private group that had purchased the cachet. When the month-long auction concluded on Monday evening, all of the items had been sold for a grand total of $1,307,946. The highest-priced piece of the collection was a huge gold nugget that weighed over one pound, going for an astounding $55,200 by itself. Meanwhile, the most intriguing item was the sealed glass jar containing what was said to be a 22,000-word autobiography pinned by Finn that was purchased for a whopping forty-eight grand itself. Now, it remains to be noted yet whether or not the new owner is going to open and reveal what the art dealer had written in his autobiography yet or not. But for those of us wondering, you know, with my budget, could I afford a piece of this treasure? You could have gotten your hands on a piece of uh, three grams of gold dust, which sold for $900. What do you think, man? Would you kept would you have kept all this together or would you have pinned it out, you know, piece by piece as well? I kind of think it'd be cool to keep it together, but then again to be able to say, "Oh, hey, I got this little trinket, you know, it's a keychain that was inside the Finn treasure." What do you think, man? Um I would have kept it for a couple more years, especially, like, dude, our economy is going to shit right now, and, like, the value of everything is going down. I came home the other night, and Mom was watching YouTube again, and she had the PBS. <laughs> Mom was watching YouTube again. What, what's that, um, oh, God, what's that show called on PBS where, like, uh, people bring in, like, their trinkets and stuff, and they have uh, the... Um, the, the experts come in and value it. Uh, it's like Antique Roadshow. Antique Roadshow. Yeah. And so they were, the, it was an older Antique Roadshow from like 2008, 2009. But then mm-hmm. when they valued the item off in the corner, they'd say current value for 2022. And virtually 95% of the items were all like lower in value so like somebody had let's say like a um this uh, lady's grandfather made uh, jewelry for the czar mm-hmm. and um he had made like a pair of cufflinks for czar nicholas and then right before like he escaped czar nicholas gave it back and said take it with you and um, in 2008 it was valued at like $15,000 and now it's valued at like $4,000 so, I probably wouldn't have sold the treasure. I would have been like, you know what? Um, I'm just going to, you know, 
the economy, you know, has its ups and downs, and we're riding a low right now. So daddy's <laughs> going to hold on to this and uh, wait for the market to improve, and then bam, sell it all at once. I imagine that might be what happened this time around is with the economy kind of taking a little bit of a dump. They just thought, hell, get it while the getting's good, you know? Yeah. Get in, sell it, and then be done with it. Well, I've got one more little story here about some interesting artifacts I'm going to sneak in to keep the theme going. But we're going to take a little bit of a paranormal turn as well. Now, this story comes from The Guardian. Fake on news. A dark and stormy n- <laughs> uh, on a dark and stormy night back in May, exactly 125 years to the day that Bram Stoker published the definitive vampire novel Dracula, two interesting people poured over a document more than 500 years old in a room in Transylvania, the document signed by Dracula himself. Glebe and Svetlana Zilberstein were on a mission. Their mission was to extract genetic material from the letters written by Vlad Dracula, the historical inspiration for Stoker's vampiric count, left there by his sweat, fingerprints, and saliva. From that, the pair, who have been dubbed protein detectives, though they prefer to be called historical chemists, Estimate that they can build up a picture of not only the physical makeup of the Wachella, uh, Wallachian warlord. Uh, yeah, Wallachia, Wallachia, Wallachian, Wallachian warlord who became known as Vlad the Impaler due to his practical displaying of his friends, you know, impaled on stakes in his front yard. Usually right up the pooper, out the mouth. Mm. Yeah, right, exactly. Right up the keister and then just normally out the... You know, side of your clavicle. Maybe your mouth, you know, if things were lined up just right. It was mystical that we were extracting Dracula's molecules on the day that Bram Stoker's novel was published 125 years ago. We didn't know specifically that this was the plan this date. All night after the extraction of Dracula's molecules, it rained cats and dogs and howled lightning flashes. It was really a very magical atmosphere. Count Dracula blessed his release from the Romanian archive. Now, Zilberstein's sense of the theatrics bellies the pioneering science at the heart of what he and Svetlana do. He said, Our job is to find what biometrical traces are left at the time when the historical object was created and whether or not we can use it to extract DNA and whether or not it was used from some historical figure. When historical biomolecules are found, we begin to analyze them. This is to determine the molecular composition and age of historical molecules. We mainly determine proteins and metabolites. I never heard that word. These molecules are more stable than DNA and provide more information about the environmental conditions, health, lifestyle, nutrition, and other historical locations of historical people to whom the historical molecules belonged. We found traces of morphine and kidney pathology proteins in the pages of the manuscript, proving he wrote it while under the influence of drugs that he used to relieve uh, acute pain in the kidneys. Oh, interesting, man. Yeah. I wonder if he was given birth to a kidney stone. Oh, you know what? I left out some information here. I skipped over the part of their biography here. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um. Okay, so that's what the, they have determined these things from extracting DNA from people who had died long ago. Their first experiment was on the original manuscript of The Master and Margarita by the Soviet writer Mikhail Bolgov. Bolgakov. They said we found traces of morphine and kidney pathology proteins in the pages of the manuscript, proving the author wrote this while under the influence of drugs used to relieve acute kidneys. So, okay, Dracula did not have a kidney disease that we know of. After Bolgakov, we then took up Anton Chekhov. We analyzed a shirt in which he died and his last letter. Chekhov suffered from tuberculosis and used various substances as painkillers, but he died after a stroke. Then they went on to investigate George Orwell's letter to Moscow and found traces of tuberculosis, which he contracted in Spain. That's pretty fascinating stuff, man, yeah. to find out that you can kind of, you know, learn these things. In the case of Vlad Dracula, this included a letter he wrote to the people of Sibiu, which is located in present-day Romania, back on August 4th, 1475, informing them he would shortly take up residency in the town. Now, I talked to our buddy John briefly about this, and he brought up a good point. This is pretty fascinating stuff, but how do we know the proteins they're extracting are from Dracula himself and not from anybody else who handled this document from when he wrote it back in the late 1400s to whenever, you know, these scientists are working on the product, the project right now? Yeah. I don't think we do. I, you know, I think that's kind of the, the problem right there. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating nonetheless. I can't wait to find out, you know, what kind of drugs Dracula was taking when he wrote this letter. Well, to round things out this episode, we're going to hit a few strange sightings that have hit headlines. First off, Preston, what do you got? Well, let me jump over here real quick. Mm-hmm. Ghost mm-hmm. train spotted chug-a-lugging along an abandoned railway line, leaving locals gobsmacked. That's right, a man said he spotted around 20 oil carriages going along an old railroad track in Plymouth and assumed by many to no longer be in use. Residents were taken back uh, when a man in Plymouth reported seeing a ghost train on a railway track believed to be abandoned. The man uh, described seeing approximately 20 oil carriages chugging alongside Toot Hill Park, which came as a a surprise to those living in the area as they had long assumed the stretch of track was completely abandoned. However, according to Plymouth Live, the track is occasionally used by freight trains when they need to reverse, which prop... Oh, fuck you, science. It was a ghost train. Okay, this was this was just <laughs> like in Ghostbusters 2. Next. <laughs> yeah, next. Anyways... Traveling by rail used to be a popular mode of transport in the area, and you can still see remnants of many of those forgotten tracks throughout the city. Some have been removed and now serve as walkways and cycle paths, and some are derelict and overgrown. So this one was probably an overgrown, derelict, you know, run-down piece of shit, and that's where the guy saw it, and, uh, you know, ghost train, you know? Fuck science. <laughs> That's it. That's that's all I got. Uh, the rest of it's just the history of the the line formerly ran from Plymouth Ferry Station, which is now demolished and better known as White Ferris Court. Uh, just a bunch of boring stuff. <laughs> so, you know. Fair enough. 
I fucking I hate I hate those news articles, those fucking clickbait where they're like, oh, you know, man spotted ghost train, and then come to find out, well, I mean, sometimes the modern day railroads uh, they use that to, to put the trains in reverse. It was probably a modern train. Ugh. I mean, I want to believe in ghost trains, right? Little Ghostbusters action. There. Yeah. I I dig it, man. I dig it. Fucking mirror UK and your bullshit well, stories. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have got it from the mirror to begin with, but you know, whatever. Is the mirror a legitimate news source? I was hoping for, I was hoping for like, you know, like woman Mary squirrels and squirrel, you know, unloads nuts inside her house this winter, or, you know, lady gave birth to hat, you know, half bat boy. I couldn't find any of the good stuff like that. So <laughs> Hey, that's fair, man. I can never tell if the mirror is legit or not, you know. There's been news stories before I found and thought I hit pay dirt, only to find out they were from The Onion. And also, I've read news stories before, only to get to the bottom and see that they, too, are um, satire websites. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't pull much from the mirror. If Here's my rule of thumb, folks. Inside baseball, if I find a story on the mirror... I then usually type in the headline on Google or Bing to see other websites that are more, I don't know, reputable, uh, to see if they are also commenting on the story as well. But no, you're right. I read about the ghost train on a few other websites as well today, so I think we're safe on that one. But yeah. Okay. When in doubt, assume it's Bat Boy. <laughs> well, our last story comes in today from our buddy Adam. I don't know if you saw about this, Preston, but apparently there was a UFO hovering over a strip club in Vegas two days before Christmas. Aliens want to see titties too, dog. I mean, you know, what can you do, right? Yeah. Workers at the Sapphire Gentleman's Club on Sammy Davis Jr. Drive published the first videos early on the morning of Friday, December 23rd. From the parking lot, several bright lights could be seen dancing up in the clouds. Around the stationary lights were four spotlights used by the club as promotion, but just hanging in the clouds is what appeared to be four white lights and three red lights. Immediately, you can hear people in the video recording the strange event speculating of whether or not it was a UFO hovering just above the club, and it turns out they were not alone. 8 News now also heard from a worker at a nearby marijuana growing business that he too saw the lights. Both the Gentleman's Club and the marijuana grower mentioned to 8 News that the lights stayed in place for more than an hour. Which is super weird, man. I mean, again, jokes to be made about strip clubs and you know weed growing operations, but I don't know. Scientists, again, let's thumb our nose at them, are saying... The night's weather was relatively cool, and there were low-hanging clouds, which leads to speculation that it was nothing more than reflections of the lights along the Las Vegas Strip. It turns out this could very well be correct, but not completely correct, since it's never been seen before outside of that night in this area. 8 News talked to meteorologists at the National Weather Service in Las Vegas and were told that since the lights in the clouds did not appear to move, the temperature in the clouds was cold enough, and there was a good chance what the people that night saw is a phenomenon called light pillars. 
swamp gas. Light pillars are described. <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah. Light pillars are uh, described as being long pillars of multicolored lights streaking through the sky. Seem to be perfect backdrops for impelling alien invasions, but in reality, light pillars are a common effect that can be found all over the world, a.k.a. swamp gas. Other people online are even trying to match up the lights with some other larger hotel casinos along the strip to see if they can get the pattern of lights to match up, which I think that's awesome. I mean, let's rule it out. If it's aliens, by God, I want it to be aliens. But, you know, if it's just going to be, you know, a Wyndham or, you know, the Mirage, then come on, let's get it out. The red lights, they say, could have been from Resort World, and other white lights could have been from the Wynn, Encore, the Stratosphere, and the Palace Station. But I don't know. Have you seen the videos of that? It's pretty wild just to see it. Fingers crossed it's aliens. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. <laughs> well, we'll have to wait till next year to find out. Yeah. Well, my friend, what else you got? Anything else? Are we cutting this one short for the last episode of 2022? Yeah, I think we should. So I ain't, I ain't got nothing <laughs> okay, else. So. My son texted me that he's was stopped by to watch us for a little bit. I don't know if he's still watching or not. But what's up, buddy? Thanks for tuning in. Dad loves you. Yeah, what's up, dude? Thanks for watching. Thanks for everyone who dropped by. This is kind of an impromptu recording. But like I said, we're going to get on to a regular night and a regular time and do these pretty much from here on out, uh, unless something prevents us. But we'll keep advertising these midweek to let you guys know, hey, be there at this day and this time, and we'll get after it. But I think that about does it for now. We hope you guys all had a great holiday. We hope that you guys have a happy new year. If you're on the social medias, please check us out, PXL Paranormal on the Instagram the pixelated paranormal podcast if you're on facebook check us out on itunes apple whatever it's called these days um, we are also on stitcher google and pretty much any other um, mm -hmm. podcast outlet that i can think of right now so preston what do you got about youtube buddy you've been really making this a passion project oh yeah so 226 subscribers 149 videos if you're watching right now or maybe um, you know, it's not a live stream anymore. It just goes back to our regular video feed, and you're watching it later this week. If you look at the bottom right-hand corner, there's a nice green alien splatter of blood that says like and subscribe. You should probably follow those instructions and like, subscribe, and share with all your friends so that we can grow the <laughs> YouTube channel a little bit and, uh, you know, get our podcast to the further reaches of the 37th parallel and everywhere else in the world there you go and while you're at it if you want to support us please if you're on apple podcasts give us a rating give us a review we would absolutely love to share that on an episode if you have listener stories that you'd like to submit yourself we're always looking for those we're always up for another big old listener story episode or even a two-parter like we've had to do recently. Um, send us your stories to pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Please also, you can message us, do um, Instagram, you can do Facebook, whatever you'd like to do. And I'd like to give a shout out here to Dravy. Dravy commented on our Christmas special episode 260. 
shit, is this episode 261? Did I really goof that up earlier? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past me. Anyway, Dravy said, love the holiday special, and especially the different format. Being able to see y'all was not, was a nice treat. Nailed it. Yeah, thank you very much, Dravy. We appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, dude. All right. Well, what else you got, buddy boy? And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow the best beard that you can grow while you're riding your ghost train or, you know, maybe spotting a UFO, or maybe you just pulled out a 70-pound goldfish uh, out of a lake in England and you're about to get your photo taken and you want to look the best that you can look, you're probably going to look like a scuzzer if you don't have Big Dobbs Beard Bomb in your beard. So you should go over to BigDobbsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. And you can pick yourself up some scents like Bay Rum, Fresh, Citrus, Mint, Classic, and Sweet Tobacco. Well, I've been rocking the Classic in my beard lately, and uh, mm-hmm. looks good. It smells good. So get it all. Get it at Dobbs. I dig it. Looks good. Looks real good. And if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by and see our dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang at CD Trade Post Pawnee and Seneca. All right. Until next time, guys, please get your questions sent in. We'll do the A, uh, AUA Ask Us Anythings yeah. uh, on the next episode for our New Year special uh, in 2023. But until next time, cheers to the weird shit in the world knows of us that love to talk about. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.